Okay, good morning. I'm going to let you guys find a place to seat. Good morning. If we have not met yet, my name is Melanie and I'm looking after the seminar stream called How to Human with my husband, Stuart. So we're from Real Life Church in Sutton Coalfield in Birmingham. You can give us a whoop and a cheer. We will appreciate that. That's fine. Thank you. Thank you so much. I have to make a formal public apology to the steward team because I'm so sorry I opened the doors ahead of time and then did not check wristbands or do anything that a steward does. So can we just applaud the stewards very quickly and say thank you so much. And I'm so sorry I jumped the gun. It will not happen tomorrow because I am clearly not qualified to wear the jacket, the badge, any of it. So thank you for what you do. Sorry for jumping the gun. If you were here yesterday, we had our first session on how to human and we were looking at Jesus, the well-being. So Stuart took a look at a typical day in the life of Jesus and just what he got up to. And then I made just some observations from the Gospels of the things that Jesus did that were very ordinary, very human, and he did so that he had connection with the Father, connection with people, so that he was eating, sleeping, looking after his alone time plus time with others. So if you miss that and you want to catch up, that will appear online. So I'm going to pass over to Stuart, who's going to do our intro for today. Okay, good morning everyone. What we're going to do is I'm going to introduce our speaker this morning and then we're going to pray for him and then hand over to him. So please get out a Bible, please get out a notepad because we're going to do that. And can we give our speaker this morning, Joel, a hand please? Come to him. This is Joel Harris, he's from Kintsugi Hope and he's going to be talking to you today about uh, resilience and mental health and well-being. So over to you, Joel. I was going to pray, wasn't I? So can we close our hands, we hold, uh, close our eyes, open our hands to Joel. I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit of God, we thank you for Joel, we thank you that he's here, we thank you for the gift you've put on him and we willingly, freely receive that. God, open our hearts, open our ears to hear your word and what you're saying to us today by your spirit. And God's people said, Amen. Amazing. Why don't you turn to your neighbour and say, you look really good today. Amazing. So my name is Joel. Um, so I work for a charity called Kintsugi Hope. I live in Ipswich, so I feel like I'm in enemy territory right now, being in Norwich. But it's really good to be here. A couple months ago, I was at the airport. And I, was, I, went, I went to the toilet and I heard a father and a son come into the toilet. And the dad said to the son, if you're going to throw up, just get it over and done with. And he carried on saying, you ate your breakfast too quickly. You had the sausages, you had the hash browns, you had the beans, the bacon. You just scoffed it down you. You didn't even take a breath. The son then goes, but I was feeling sick before breakfast, dad. And the dad utterly changes his tone and goes, Why? Are you scared? The son nods. And the father, in the gentle voice, goes, between you and me, so am I. But we've got to go on that plane. We've got to keep on going so we can get to this nice place. And sometimes when we come to conversations like this around mental and emotional health, we can feel nervous. We can come to conversations around mental and emotional health and we can feel a bit on edge. It's not always nice to speak 
about mental health. It's not always nice to speak about all of it. It's quite a stigmatized topic, especially in the church. But I believe we can get to a place where we can speak about mental and emotional health in a positive life light. And I believe we can get to a place where God speaks through that and we as Christians can be open towards speaking about it, but also we as Christians can have tools to look after our own mental and emotional health. Does that make sense? So to start off with, when we're speaking about stuff like this, I always think it's helpful to know a bit about the speaker because it's a interesting topic this I don't want you guys to think I've come here and telling you what's what and actually I'm up here and doing good so a little bit about my story more recently um in January time I had to be signed off work due to my depression I was getting counseling and that led to me starting to uncover some stuff about myself what led to me getting a seasonal depression and being signed off work for a bit I'm not embarrassed about that. I'm not ashamed about that. I had an illness and I needed to get some help and that's what I did. So if you're here today and you're struggling, whether, whether that be a chronic illness, whether that be an anxiety disorder, whether that be a disorder in mental health, or whether that be you're struggling with your well-being, you're having a sad time or you get worried a lot, I want you to know you don't need to feel ashamed that you feel like that. You don't need to feel like, oh, I can't tell anyone about that. You're not a bad Christian if you're struggling. God doesn't love you any less if you struggle with anxiety or depression. It's not a lack of faith that you're struggling. And actually, when you do struggle, when life is hard, you can often feel alone. You can often feel like, oh, I'm not sure anyone knows how I feel. I know for me, when when I've struggled more severely, I felt super lonely. That doesn't need to be the way it is. So a few ground rules before we start. What I'm speaking about can be triggering to some people. So if you need to leave... If you want to leave, feel free to get up and leave. I will not call you out. I will not cry. I get it. It's completely okay. If you want to speak to someone, if if something happens, and something I say unlocks something in you, if you want to speak to someone, can I strongly suggest you speak to your youth worker or somebody in a green hat? They will happily help you and talk to you. This is a safe space. So do what you need to do. If you need to doodle, because that's how best you listen, then doodle. If you need to lie down, you don't have space. Um, <laughs> do what you need to do. Please don't judge. Please don't, please don't speak to other people. Please don't look at other people if they're doing something weirdly. They're having their moment. So, how do we seek a life with God? How do we seek a life going for Jesus, loving God, but struggling with our mental health? What does the Bible say of our mental and emotional health? Can God be in my mental health? Does this Bible even speak into that? Well, Often there's a thing, people think about the Bible as being this old book, 2,000 years old, and actually can't help us with modern day stuff. 
What I love is, is that the Bible can speak to us if you're struggling. I want to look at the story of Elijah. So we're in 1 Kings 18 and 19. I'm going to paraphrase these next two chapters. So it's not going to be accurate, but it's going to be an overall view of the story. So if they're out, this is the context. Elijah, is his story is in the Old Testament. That means this is before Jesus, this is before the Gospels, this is before Paul, it's before all that sort of stuff, it's before Jesus. Now Elijah is a major prophet, he's a prophet of Israel. Israel haven't been behaving well, that often happens in the Old Testament and there's a famine and there's a drought on the land. This famine and drought has been for three years. The king has started worshipping a god called Baal, who's a false god, and the king has started killing all the prophets. Now, Elijah is public enemy number one. The king wants to kill him. The king isn't happy at him. And three years into this drought, God says to Elijah, I want you to go and speak to the king. I'm going to bring rain to this land. So Elijah meets with someone, and that someone meets with the king, and now Elijah meets the king. So, we're here. Elijah meets Ahab. Ahab is the king, and Ahab says to Elijah straight away, this is in verse 16, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Elijah goes, I have not troubled Israel. You, the king, and you, Israel, have abandoned the Lord's commands. You have followed the bowels. Now, Elijah says this, summon all of the people, let's meet, summon all of Israel. It is time for Israel to decide what God they're going to face. There's no point us going half here, half there, there's no point us following God some days and following battles the other days. It is time for Israel to decide where their loyalties lie. Often in culture, there's times where some days we'll be supporting God and other days we'll be supporting culture. Elijah was going, that is enough, is enough. It is time for them to decide. So summon the people, Elijah says. Bring them to Mount Carmel and also bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Isha who eat at Jezebel's table. So, They summon all the people. They're on this mountain top. They're on Mount Carmel. Everyone is there. And Elijah goes, let's see which God is the right God. So build two build two altars. We're gonna have two, we're gonna have two bulls, we're gonna cut them up. And you're gonna pray to your God. I'm gonna pray to my God. And whichever God responds with fire is the one and true God. So the bowels go first, they get the bull, they put it on this altar, and they start chanting. They start doing their rituals, they start dancing, they start whipping themselves, and nothing happens. All day long, these bowels are worshipping, and nothing happens. All day long, these prophets of Baal are worshipping, nothing's going on. Now Elijah starts getting cocky. He's like, yo, is your God like travelling? Is he somewhere else? Is he busy? Maybe shout a bit louder, he can't hear you. And they keep going, and they keep going, and nothing happens. Elijah goes, it's my turn. It's God's turn to show what is going on. 
So they get people come to the altar. He took 12 stones, one from each of the tribes descended from Jacob, and he puts them on the altar. Then he digs a trench around the altar. He arranges the wood, he cuts the ball into pieces and lays it on the wood. Then he says, fill four large jars with water and pour it onto the offering and on the wood. So they do that. He says, do it again. And they do it again. He said, do it a third time. And they do it a third time. The water ran around the the altar and even filled the trench. The altar was more soaking than your tent this morning. It was proper wet. And Elijah steps forward. Lord, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel. And that I am your servant. And I've done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God. And you are turning the hearts again. Then the fire of the Lord burned up the sacrifice, burned up the wood, burned up the stones and the soil, and also licked the water in the trench. Everyone saw this and they fell down to their knees and they worshipped God. Now the prophets of Baal started running away and Elijah's like, yo, 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 that's not happening. And they got them and they were put to death. Elijah then goes to Ahab, the king. See, my God is real and he's about to bring a storm. He's about to bring rain again. So get in your chariot and get going so the water doesn't stop you. And then he bows down. And he goes, Lord, bring the storm. And he looks up and he goes to a servant, can you see a cloud? And the servant's like, no, I can't, I can't see a cloud. So Elijah goes again and prays, Lord, bring it. He goes to a servant, can you see a cloud? And again, the, the servant's like, no, I can't see anything. Seven times Elijah prayed. And on the seventh time, a cloud came. Elijah, filled with the power of the Lord, ran. And do you know what he did? He, over, he overtook the king with a chariot. That dude was fast. And this all happens. It's fair to say Elijah had this incredible moment with God. Some people would probably call it a mountaintop moment. A moment where you feel God so close. You see God move in such an incredible way. A mountaintop moment. I've spent my whole teenage years at festivals like this. I remember one time I was working on a a coffee shop thing like in here. And there's a girl who came in and she was just sobbing with her friend. She was sobbing. She was crying. And I was like, I wasn't allowed to do this. But I was like, hey, look, the hot chocolate is on the house. You can have it for free. So our friend turned to her and was like, look, even God knows you're poor. (laughs) I was at the same festival again. And do you know how sometimes when you pray for someone, they might fall over in the spirit? Um, One of my friends found the preacher really boring, probably like you guys are finding me, and he fell asleep. And he woke up to five people around him praying for him because they thought he just fell over in the spirit. He was just sleeping, having a nap. He woke up like, 
Oh, so he just started like receiving the Lord. I say that I've been at these festivals and I've had these mountaintop moments where I felt God so closely. I've had these moments where I feel totally and utterly on fire for God. Then three weeks later, I'm home, I'm back in maths class. I feel low. I feel down. I feel like, oh God, I'm not feeling you like I was in the big top. Like the worship CD isn't hitting as the band was. I don't feel you. And often, guys, we have these mountaintop moments and we have these lows. And God is close in both. If we look through life, we go through seasons. If you look outside, we go through seasons. This season's confusing. It's meant to be sunny. It looks like winter, but that's England. But beside the point, we have these times where we go through lows and we go through highs. And God is in both. And actually, there's a guy in the Bible called David. He's that geezer who um, chucked a stone at a giant, that one. Um, He was described as a man after God's own heart. He was king of Israel. Yet he wrote this in Psalms. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with sin and pain and there is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. All my longings lie open before you, Lord. My signing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds. My strength fails. Even the light has gone from my eyes. This was a man after God's own heart. And he had lows. It's fair to say Elijah's well-being, his mental health wasn't, uh, sorry, that's David's mental health wasn't good there. Yet he was, a, he was the king of Israel. And he was a man after God's own heart. Hear this. If you're struggling with your mental health, that one doesn't count you out of God's plan for your life. A one doesn't count you out of God's plan for your life. And it too doesn't mean God is far. It does not mean God is far. David had a massive role to play, yet he struggled. Some of us can be there, we can struggle with our mental health. And we think, oh, that's it. My dream God has given me won't happen anymore. That's it. That's not going to happen. But God has a plan for you. God, David struggled, yet he was a man after God's own heart. Back to Elijah. So remember, Elijah, he had this mountaintop moment. He'd like done a massive showdown and he had won. His God was true. It was amazing. And then, Jezebel. Jezebel heard what Elijah had done and said this. May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow... I do not take Elijah's life like he has taken my prophets. This queen, this Jezebel, she said she was going to kill Elijah. Now Elijah was scared. Elijah ran for his life. And he came to Bathsheba in Judah. He left his servant there. And then he took another day's journey into the wilderness. And he sat down. And he went, Lord, 
I've had enough. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And he lay down and fell asleep. Elijah had gone for that mountaintop moment to being so low that he was suicidal and asking God to take his life. Elijah, the day before, had seen God do this incredible thing. And a day later, he was suicidal. He'd seen God move, yet now he struggled. So what does God do? God does this. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and there on his head was some baked bread. I imagine it was like sourdough and really lovely. And there was a jar of crisp water. It doesn't say crisp, but I can imagine it's like that ice cold water. And he ate and drank. Then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, he ate and he drank, he strengthened by the food. He travelled for 40 days and 40 nights, that was some mad sourdough, until he reached her up the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Elijah was at the point of death, and God met his physical needs. God didn't go, yo, put on Waymaker. God didn't go, yo, why didn't you try fasting? God went, hey, physically you need stuff. I will sustain you. And sometimes we can feel a disconnect between God with us spiritually and God with us holistically. Sometimes we think, yeah, God can be with me spiritually. Yo, God can be with me in my prayer life. God can be with me in my worship. But these physical things I'm struggling with, God won't be there for that. That isn't the case. We have a God that wants to be with us holistically. We have a God that wants to be with you in your whole being. What does that mean, Joe? That means we have a God who wants to be with you when you're struggling with your mental health. We have a God that wants to be with you when you're struggling with your physical health. We have a God that wants to be with you socially, emotionally, holistically. Our God is a God who wants to be with us holistically. He provided for Elijah's physical needs. Likewise, if you're struggling with your well-being, if you're struggling with your mental health, God wants to provide for you holistically. We good? We still here? We awake? Give me a nod. Give me a... uh, uh, uh. Blimey. Interactive crowd. Right. When speaking about well-being, we can look at the five pillars of well-being. They are mental, emotional, physical, spiritual and social well-being. Everyone say them after me. Mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, social. Awesome. We have a God that wants to be with us holistically. So I'm going to go through these five pillars of well-being. I'm going to explain how God wants to be with us in that. Does that sound good? Awesome. Physical well-being. Physical and mental is totally linked. Your physical health and your mental health are linked, okay? 
Our body is works in incredible ways that we are holistic beings. What means sometimes when we're struggling physically, our mental can struggle. And likewise, when we're struggling mentally, we can then struggle with our physical health. I know for me, when my physical health isn't good, when I'm not exercising, when I'm not sleeping right, when I'm not doing the right things, my mental health suffers. I know for me, when I'm struggling with my mental and emotional health, I need to make sure I go to the gym. I need to make sure I go and play a football game. Not because I'm good at football, I'm actually quite rubbish, but I know it's good for my mental health. One of the big things is sleep. Our sleep can affect us massively. You see, our, our sleep and our mental health are attached in like a circular way. So like a lack of sleep can lead to tiredness, yeah? And tiredness can lead to difficulty with coping with life. I know when I'm tired, I don't cope with life as well as I could do. I know when I'm not coping with life, that can lead to low self-esteem. I know when I have low self-esteem, that can lead to feelings of worry and stress. And when I'm feeling worried and stressed, that can lead to a lack of sleep. And we just start all over again. And it's exhausting. I'm not sleeping. God wants to be with us in our sleep. So, a few tips. If you're struggling with your mental health and you're struggling to sleep, these will probably work better at home than they do at New Day. Because New Day you have stupid people going for showers at like 3am and they're waking you up, am I right? So, I'm a creative. I love creativity, but I know I can't be creative an hour before bed because I won't sleep. So I make sure I do stuff what is mind-dumbing, not mind-activating. And because I'm a creative, I love stories, I love reading. But the problem is I get too invested in the book and then I can't sleep because I'm thinking about what Frodo is going to do. So do some stuff before bed what is mind-dumbing, not mind-activating. And there's nothing. Have you ever been in bed and you're just lying there and then suddenly... The whole world is in your mind. You're like, did I really say to that person earlier? My head's been hurting for two days. I should go to the GP. Oh, I've not done this for work. I've not done my homework. Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, I need the toilet again. Oh, what about my friend? Oh, what happens if I never get a job? Oh, what happens if I have no money? And suddenly your mind is full of stuff. Is that anyone else or just me? Okay, a few of you. The rest of you. So... Right, d- journal dumping is really helpful. And that's when your mind is full, opening a journal and just dumping everything. It doesn't need to make sense. I'm dyslexic, so it definitely doesn't make sense. But it's really helpful. Another thing, scientifically, if you're, if you're in sleep and you're rocking and turning, after 20 minutes, it's so hard to get back to bed. So if you've been in your bed for 20 minutes, get up, do something. When you're tired, go back to bed. That really helps. But there has been times where I feel totally overwhelmed. I feel totally overwhelmed. And what I've needed to do is play worship music. There's times where I can't sleep, where I've gone through months when I'm really low, where I fall asleep to worship music. So not because worship music's any more special than any other form of worship with God, but for me, I need those truths over my life as I fall asleep. 
I need to go to bed knowing that my God is with me and my God is for me. I need to go to bed knowing that he is there. And actually one of the big things that comes to our physical health is rest. We have an incredible God that um, makes, us want, uh, makes us rest. And it's just utterly beautiful. We have a God that wants us to work from rest, not rest to work. So when, the new, when, the, when we, they talk about um, rest in the Old Testament, this was the, these writings about Sabbath and about rest and about taking the seventh day holy was written to the Israelites that had just come out of slavery. Now when you're a slave, your whole identity is on how many bricks you can build each day. There is no rest. Your whole identity, your whole worth is on your bricks and how much you can do. They come out of slavery and God goes, rest first, then work. He goes, hey, your identity doesn't come from your work, your identity comes from who I say I am. A week before coming here, I wanted to take a day as a retreat day. My job allows me to do that. I took a day as a retreat day. And I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to strive, and I'm going to worship. Because I'm a good Christian. I'm going to go for it. So I book a room in my church, and I'm starting to worship. I feel exhausted. <laughs> and do you know what I did five minutes in? I fell asleep for 30 minutes. <laughs> and that was as holy as worshiping. God is in rest, and he is in work. You can rest because your identity doesn't, identity doesn't come from what you do. So physical health, God is in that. Social well-being. Loneliness and social and um, poor mental health is totally linked as well. Loneliness can lead to poor mental health and poor mental health can lead to loneliness. It's like a circular again. And actually, we weren't built to be alone. We weren't built to do this life alone. The first thing God said what wasn't good was for man to be alone. He, he, Ecclesiastes 10 says this, if, you eat, if evil of them falls down, no one can help the other, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Friendship is a holy thing. I have a friend, he's my best mate, he's called Jacob, and we have a thing in our friendship called, we want a transparent friendship not an honest friendship. Because you can still lie and there's still secrecy and honesty. See what I'm saying? So honesty is me going to you going, hey, have you done this? And you going, yes or no. But if I don't ask the question, I won't know about it. Whereas transparent is them going to you and going, hey, look, this is what I've done. Do you see the difference? One can lead to still stuff being hidden. Other is totally Transparent. Our God builds us for friendship. Friendship is holy and actually when you're struggling with your well-being, what you need more than anything else is a few friends. I know earlier this year when I was really low, I needed my friends to pick me up, to take me out, to talk to me, just to sit there, to be with me. I had a friend who really wanted some close friends. So I remember me and them praying a couple of years about going, Lord, please help this person have some more friends in their life. And do you know what happened? They found some more friends who are friends who are real, who are honest. I believe there's people in your life that God wants, to be your, God wants you to be your best friend with. There's people who God wants you to walk alongside with. And if you're here going, Joel, I'm not sure 
if there's anyone, look around at the people you're at. Trust me, the people who go to your church, they could be your best friends. I know you probably think they're weird. They probably think you're weird as well, if we're being honest. But after a while, you both just accept that you're both weird and you can be friends. God wants you to have friendships. God wants to be with you in friendships. Next one. We're pushing through. Emotional well-being. Now, there's a difference between emotional and mental well-being, okay? So emotional health is the ability to cope with and manage emotions. It's also the ability to have positive relationships. Mental health is the ability to think clearly, make good decisions. Mental health is more generic and wider reach in term, what includes emotional health. Managing emotions can be hard, (laughs) Do you ever just feel totally overwhelmed? Do you ever just feel like everything is coming at you? I had a stat, I had a stat last week. Often when preachers go last week, they mean like five years ago, but this actually was last week, I promise. That an average human today gets, gets fed more information in 24 hours than someone would in their lifetime 200 years ago. We have Everything coming at us all the time. Bam, 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 bam. We can, it's easy to feel so overwhelmed. And we have a God who wants to take that. Matthew, this is Jesus speaking, says this. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. If you're feeling overwhelmed, two incredible things you can do. First one is speak to someone. That might just be your youth worker or an adult, or that might be getting counselling. You can be a Christian and get counselling and therapy. I was in counselling and therapy for three months at the start of this year. Super helpful. Incredible tool. But also, we have a God that wants to take your burdens. We have a God that says, come to me if you're weary. Come to me if you're exhausted. And I want to give you rest. What does that look like for me? For me? It's journaling. I try and journal every day. Going to be honest with you, it doesn't happen. But I try. Journaling super helpful. That's just laying it all at God. Going, God, take this for me. And it doesn't always feel like a total release straight away. But it's handing over things to God each day. Going, God... This is, I need you to deal with this, I can't. There was a time, um, three years ago, was it the no COVID? That's a lie. Five years ago, blimey. Um, I'd come back from a festival like this, and I was exhausted. So I was lying, on my, watching TV, watching Gladiator. Do you know like that? Are you not entertained? That one, yeah? One of you's watched it, amazing. So I was watching that, and I get a phone call from my mum. Like, I don't want to answer that. She's probably going to tell me to go to the shops or something. I can't be offered. But I, I answer it. And straight away, I hear something's not right. She's crying. She's sad. And she goes, Joel, Emma, that's my sister. She's been rushed into hospital. It isn't good. You need to come to the hospital. Now, I live about 20 minutes from the hospital. So I start running out my house. And I remember running And I shout to God, you better have this, God, because I don't. 
I was crying. I get to the I get to the hospital. I go to the front desk. I'm like, <sighs> I need to run more. But I get oh God. I get to the, I go to the front desk. And go, is my sister here? And they're like, no. The ambulance is on our way with her. And I'm crying and I'm just panting, just walking. And someone goes to me and goes, tell me about Romania. And I look at her thinking, who on earth are you? And what are you talking about? And can't you see I clearly don't want to have a conversation. She goes, your hoodie, tell me about Romania. And I look down and I realise I'm wearing my hoodie from a mission trip to Romania. What just says Romania on it? I go in a very British way. I'm a Christian. I went on a mission trip to Romania with my youth group. She goes, ah. And she pulls from under her hoodie a cross necklace and goes, I'm a Christian too. Should we pray for your sister? And there, in the A&E waiting room, we hold hands and we pray for my sister. She's well, she is good. We have a God that wants to be with you when you're feeling overwhelmed. We have a God that wants to be with you when you're struggling. And sometimes, when we're overwhelmed with our emotions, sometimes we can feel stuff what we don't think is true, but it is. Another story. This was three years ago. I was at a festival like this, and my girlfriend um, was going into surgery that day because she was really ill. And I was at this festival because I had to work, and I, I was there, and I get a FaceTime for her, from her. And she's all, like, hooked up to all the stuff, like, wires coming out everywhere, like, proper, just had surgery. And she goes, Joe, it wasn't successful. It wasn't right. And I then have to go into a worship set, quite like what happened this morning, and sing songs about how, God, you're a miracle worker. And you're a promise keeper and you never stop working. I didn't feel any of those things right then. I did not think our God was a miracle worker. I did not think he was a healer. I knew he was. I knew the truth. But my emotions didn't feel that. Does that make sense? Where you know something is true but right now it does not feel like it. And sometimes when we're overwhelmed, we've just got to blast out that truth of who God is, even though in that moment we don't think it is true. God wants to be with you in your emotional well-being. Lastly, God wants to be with you in your spiritual well-being. Do you remember Elijah? He got down on his knees after doing Mount Carmel and he prayed, Lord, bring the rain. And he looked up, there was no rain. So he went again, Lord, bring the rain. And he looked up and there was no rain. And he went again, Lord, bring the rain. And he looked up. 
and there was no rain. Seven times he did that, and then there was rain. When it comes to praying for mental and emotional health, I've known people who have been prayed and instantly healed from anxiety disorder. And for every one of them, I know maybe 10, 20 people who have been prayed and maybe a couple of months later, they prayed more and they prayed more and they prayed more. Then a couple of months later, they were healed from mental and emotional health. And I know people who have got on their knees and prayed every day and have never been healed from mental and emotional health. Our God is in all three of those situations. And he works in all three of those situations. First one's quite easy. You see God do a healing. That's really great. Second one is a bit easier as well to see God in. He's in there. He's healed after a time. That's amazing. The third one is quite hard to see where God is, isn't it? When you've been praying for something every single day and yet there's no healing. When I was four, we found out that I was severely dyslexic. We also found out that I had a speech impediment. What meant I couldn't read well, I couldn't write well, and I couldn't spell. I remember in reception, standing in, in assembly with the whole school, and the teacher going, Joel, what did you get for your birthday? And I said what I got, and she couldn't understand me. My mum from the back of the room had to shout out what I got because nobody could understand me. I remember in year six, getting zero out of 12 in my spelling test every week. I was consistent, just bad. I remember also in year six, walking from the year six classroom all the way down to year two classroom to get the Biff and Chip book because that's all I'd got onto. remember in high school having to... Get, having to come late, come five minutes late to every lesson and leave five minutes early to hand my laptop in and out while I was using. I remember my school spent hundreds of pounds on this speaking software for me, but my speech impediment was so bad it didn't work. <laughs> I'm not healed from dyslexia. I'm not healed from a speech impediment. Actually, my speech has got a lot worse this past couple of years. Yet my job is to stand here and preach to you. My job is to write material and to write talks. I'm not healed, yet God's working through me. I've prayed countless times for God to heal me, and it's never happened. Yet when I come on this stage, you guys understand me. If God wasn't here... You wouldn't understand me. Not in some spiritual way, but in some physical way. You just wouldn't get what I was saying. Sometimes, healing doesn't look like mirror. Healing doesn't look like healing as in it gets better. Healing looks like God still working through you, even though. God still working upon him with you, even though you're struggling with anxiety. Good working and still partnering with you, even if you're dyslexic. Good working and still partnering with you, even if you're depressed. Good working and still partnering with you, even if you have ADHD. Good working and still partnering with you, even if you have bipolar. We have a God 
that wants to be in your mess and wants to shine through it. 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about these treasure in jars of clay. He says, so you have treasure in jars of clay. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. These jars of clay, everyone had them in the house. They're kind of like the Yorkie Easter egg mugs what everyone used to have. They were fragile, they'd get chipped, they'd get broken, they'd always have holes in them. So the reader would hear, read what Paul was going, and Paul was going, hey, you're like those jars. You're fragile. You, have, you get broken, you pick up scars along the way, but actually... It allows God's light to shine through. It allows God's love to shine through it. People can see God in me the most through my brokenness. Does that make sense? People can see God in me the most through my dyslexia and through my speech impediment. Because that's where he's moving. If you're struggling with your mental health, it does not count you out for what God has planned for your life. It actually might qualify you for it. If you're struggling, you're brave, you're strong, you're courageous. You're not weak for struggling. You're not... You're not <laughs> I meet so many people our age who feels so embarrassed by their mental and emotional health. They feel so embarrassed and ashamed that they struggle. That isn't the case. You don't need to feel embarrassed. We would never have a go at someone or tell someone to feel embarrassed if they're struggling with cancer or if they have diabetes. Yeah? Likewise, we should never have a go or feel embarrassed if we're struggling with our mental health. We have a God that wants to be with you in that place. We have a God that wants to be with you in that place. One last tip, then I'll pray, then I'll hand over. I'm not too sure how time's gone, but that's fine. Sometimes when you struggle with mental health, you can feel totally overwhelmed. You can feel totally like, oh, everything is all over me at once. And you start to get anxious and you start to get panicky. I want to give you a tip called the grounding technique. It's a 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It's quite easy to remember. Everyone go 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Wow. So, 5. I know you can do this in any really order. I always get it wrong. Name 5 things you can see. And you name them out loud. So I'd go speaker, laptop, people, a cow. And some vertical grass. Four things you can touch. Phone, laptop, vertical grass, carpet. Three things you can hear. Person speaking next door. A bottle falling. And the wind. Two things you can smell. B.O. Just be <laughs> And one thing you can taste, my flat white. It brings you down. It brings you back to an equilibrium. I knew someone who learned this in a well-being group we did, went out into the classroom and started having a panic attack. 
So she went to her friend, hey, do this with me. And they did it with her. And they came and back down. Guys, if you remember anything from today, know God's love for you isn't dependent on what you do or how your health is. And actually, you don't need to be ashamed of your mental and emotional health. God loves you and wants to be with you in that. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, thank you that you are in the tiniest things like what we do each day, like what we think, how we sleep. And you're in the biggest of things like saving our lives and dying on the cross for us. Thank you that you don't see our brokenness and you discount us out for what you want to do in our lives. God, help us all know how much you love us. Help us all know not to feel ashamed by our mental and emotional health, but to know that you are in that place. You can be with us and you want to work through us. Help us when we feel close to lean close to you and to see you in our every step. Amen. Well, that was super helpful, wasn't it? I don't know about you, I feel like there's so many things there that I want to take away. There were a couple of things just while Joel was speaking that I really just felt God's heart on. So I just want to say to you, if this applies to you, just just maybe take it back on site. So firstly, if your name is Elijah and you're in the room, would you stand very quickly? Come on. I know there's more than one of you, but I do know there's one of you. So if your name's Elijah, would you stand very quickly? That's interesting. One Elijah. Well, you can have it all then, Elijah. I just felt really strongly while Joe was speaking that if there was an Elijah in the room, God wanted you to know that he was with you in the highs and lows, with you through it all, but he also had things he wanted to do and say through you. And so we're just going to, would you stretch out your hands just to the one Elijah? I I feel surprised, but I think God knew that. Just close your eyes. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would indeed be with Elijah in the highs, the lows, and you would indeed speak through him. That you would cause him to see you in ways that utterly transforms his life but in a knowing way knowing you in the good times and bad times and being able to tell the stories of what it looks like to follow God in all of it and I feel like God's asked that not as a pressure but just that you would find him in it all and you tell the stories Elijah of what it's like to know him in the mountains and the valleys Amen, amen. And I felt when Joel talked about that friendship, that that was, what did he say? He said, he said a friendship that, help me Joel, you said it was 
Transparent, thank you. I'm trying to find it on my nose. Transparent. I felt like there were people here that longed for that. I almost felt a physical ache in my heart of people who were just like, I want that. I long for that. That's something I hunger for. I want you to just wave at me if that's you, that you long for that transparent friendship of people who know you and you know them. And I felt like God wanted to give you some people. And I I even wondered if they're back on your sight and when you walk around, he wants you to see them. He wants you to find them. It's not that he has hidden them from you. He has them for you, but also remind you that it will cost you. To be transparent costs you to be known. So for you to be prepared to be known. And I wanted to encourage you to be brave in that. I know when he said the word transparent, it really hit my heart. I was like, that's costly and that's brave to be transparent, to go to someone and say, this is me. This is who I am. So I just love to pray for us all. Let's stretch out our hands because I think, let's be honest, we could all do with transparent friendship. We ask you, Lord, to be with us. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. We thank you, Father. That what you say over us is what matters. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being among us in this place, ministering to us. You are so wonderful in what you do. We ask for real friendship between us and you, a transparency that will exist in our lives, in the good times and the hard times. And we pray you help us find our people that will help us be human on the earth and do this walk well. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your people. We thank you that you made us to be human. We love that. And all God's people say, Amen. We are back in here tomorrow with Neil and Sonia Chitty who are looking at the Holy Spirit. We are then in here with Charlene Framigan who's looking at the Father. Come back and join us. Let's give Joel one more cheer. Nice job. Leave here safely, please. Leave here safely. No crush at the door.